Man, can we just give the worship team just just one more just just praise, man? <clears throat> so good, so good this morning. Um, I shared this, um, but God gave me this word about just because sometimes we we look and I don't know if if some of you know this, but you know sometimes when you're doing both services and serving, we have a, t- a tendency to compare. And so sometimes we're like, man, that 11 o'clock is just really rowdy. And the, the 9 o'clock, they just real sleep, you know? And, uh, and uh, God gave me this word about, um, I came across it as far as two things. And one is engagement, and the other one is participation. And um, for, for us to know the difference, that engagement is internal. So sometimes someone could be fully engaged but quiet um, while participation is external. And so sometimes we need to be careful um, <clears throat> in rooms this size and, and in, both, in both ways, both services, of not pursuing those in a, in a healthy manner, you know, where sometimes we just pursue participation where the entire room is clapping and we're like, oh, it was good because everyone was clapping or it was good because everyone was singing or raising their hands. But we can't tell the engagement. The engagement is up to God. Amen. And so some of you, it could have been very well that you just fell into what the norm of the house was and you, everyone was singing loud. So you sang loud. And, and I want you to know from our hearts, regardless of where you serve and whatever you do on Sundays, from a worship team or speaking or um, being a connector or working with kids, the, the goal is to engage the Spirit of God Amen. personally in your life to where it, it lures, it, it really brings in a person who's discerning, who might have just been there to participate. You know, 90% of people that go to church, or a ton of people that just find out about church or searching for a church are looking to kind of fall in line or just participate. But, but what would be different if we actually have the heart to engage the Spirit of God? We come to engage. Amen? Amen. I just think that God's way more interested with that, um, that posture of us being able to engage uh, people. Now, this morning, I really feel like God's just giving me a word to speak to you in an uncharacteristic fashion. And so I kind of feel like um, just for a little bit, I'm going to share um, just kind of a way that he, that, he, that he gave it to me, that he gave it to me. Um, today, we're going to be talking from Ephesians 6. But God just kind of just gave me this, and I don't know if you call it a poem or a piece or whatever, but I just feel like creatively God wanted to speak, to speak me to speak this to you. Is that okay? Thank you. <clears throat> I'm starting to realize that when I think about the armor of God, I'm not always thinking that you are more than anything else in my life. I'm starting to think that sometimes I've looked at the armor of God as just pieces and fragments of things that we could pick up, but not the essence of who you are. That the armor of God, then really displayed in goodness, is really you showing us that you are more than any part of us, any one piece or thing. You're not just interested in things, God, and just a shield or a sword or a helmet, but you're interested in the essence of us seeing that it is you, God. I'm starting to see that sometimes even in my own life, I make casual the things of God because I've always heard the things of God. I've been through churches after church after church where I heard these things of the armor of God, and sometimes it just was a Sunday school story. But God, you're, you're saying take on the 
whole armor of God. Put on the whole armor of God. Like, like it's almost as if when I put on the whole armor of God, you're calling me into wholeness. That I can actually pursue holiness because you've called me into wholeness, wholeness in my mind, wholeness in my marriage, wholeness in every part of who I am. That's the wholeness that he called for. I'm starting just to think when I think about the armor of God, it's less about me trying to, to make a better version of me, and it's more about representing a better version of he and taking that on and embracing that and welcoming all that he has to bring. That's what I'm starting to realize. But religion told me an inverse story. Growing up in church sometimes could tell me an in, a, a inverted story of this to where it is not the main thing is not the main thing and that the main thing becomes all these other things. That the armor of God looks like a Bible study. And if I study this course 10 weeks or five weeks, well, I should know the armor of God. But the revelation that God, that you're giving me right now, is that you're asking me to put you on. You're saying that when I read the words, take on the armor of God, not to be flippant with that statement, not to just say it and say, oh, well, I've heard that before. I wonder what they're going to teach about that today. My question for you guys, as I break from now, when you hear us say, take on the armor of God, do we shake? Do we? Is there something in us that... that that really calls us to sobriety, that, wow, take on the armor of God, not just a piece of something that he could give us, actually taking on him. I think a lot of times, if we're honest with ourselves, and more times than not, in Christendom in the South, it is very easy for us to take on the culture of church and not take on the culture of God. It is very easy for us to fit in flippantly to, to service times that fit in conveniently with our schedules while always somehow conveniently forgetting the essence of why we do it, who we do it for, and how he said to do it. Ephesians 6 talks about the armor of God, and, and Paul is preaching from this, and even, even he's preaching not even in the best of situations. He's in chains. He even talks about this like as from writing from prisons, and I wondered sometimes how much of us have really thought that we, were, we, that, that we were putting on the armor of God, but it really was Saul's armor. I'll explain. David, he defeats Goliath with what? Not Saul's armor, Right? Not at all. Like he, 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 defeats, he defeats Goliath, really, with something that doesn't make sense. A slingshot. I wonder how much of us trying to make common sense of God has us really never making any sense at all. God couldn't have told me that because that doesn't make common sense. Right? Oh, God could, you, you know, like there, there's, there's whole philosophies that we begin to buy into. And really what it happens is we buy into a lie. We buy into a lie versus, versus buying into the truth of, of heaven. And so what does it look like to buy into a lie? I begin to make excuses for why putting on the armor of God looks like me just putting on a better version of myself. 
Because what religion teaches is this. Oh, you can go to a book club for 10 weeks and you'll have these parts of the armor. But there's a different version. There's a different message. The heart of Jesus is very different for you as an individual that, that you are following Christ today. The heart of Jesus is this. Hey, are you really putting me on? When you read, when you read this, have I just become a fairy tale God to you? Am I just become a philosophy type of Jesus? Like, oh, where the shield of faith is just a philosophy statement, but it doesn't actually mean God is my shield. I wonder, could I challenge you just to just even more in the way of saying this, that God, God's purpose in, in all of this is so that he protects us, not that we have to feel like a more religious version of ourselves to protect us from the world. We cannot protect ourselves. It's his armor. Amen? Amen. Amen. So God, I'm trusting you for how you want to how you want to move this, how you want to shake this, but I I know the the baseline is this is that sometimes we have we have agreed with an inferior version of armor. And we're wondering and frustrated at the condition of what we call Christianity. Think about it like this. Some of us think that, well, the armor, you know, it must have been a Roman, it must have been Roman armor, it must have been military. That means that I should somehow be able to put on something that's gonna make me so strong that I'm gonna be able to just plow my way out of sin. Does it ever work like that? The truth. We, we, we know to say no like in participating, but the truth is, more times than not, we try to do it on our own. That's the truth. The truth is we try that every single time, actually, and we're frustrated sometimes that like we're like, okay, well, I got mad at that sin, and, and, and me getting mad at it ain't moved it. Ain't it funny how like you getting mad at sin don't just move sin? You know? If anything, it kind of agitates the monster a little bit. <laughs> now you manifest and like, man, what's going on here? God's like, hey, invite my love. Today, my heart is really kind of burdened, more or less, for people to be able to get past why you came here initially, the surface reason why the cultural Christianity reason of the South, that it is what we do in the South at 9 and 11 o'clock to come to church. It is what you do while you're here to sit here for 30, 30 minutes and listen for some talking points from a message and leave and maybe apply it, maybe not, you know, I don't know. But the purpose of this is to, to press you to a little bit of a different place to where when we actually read about what God says about the armor of God, we actually believe it. Here's a, here's a case in point. Most of us would say that we believe more, and, and, this, and, it's, and it's proven by our actions. We believe more, or we have more security in the fall of man, in the fall of Adam, than we do in God being a creative God. We believe more. We, 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 we stake the ground in us being messed up people. And, well, God, you're going to use, okay, you, you're saying you could use me, but God, like, you know who I am, and I'm just, you know, like that, that flippant stuff we hear in the South, I'm just a sinner saved by grace. You ever seen that person heal the sick? 
You ever seen that person have the faith to believe that God could actually heal the sick? Until it's their mom, right? You know, with cancer or something like that. When it's real personal to you, now you believe. But what I'm saying is, is this. We have to make a clearing call across our culture and across anyone that comes here in this church and anyone that we're connected to to say, hey, are we really living the life that Christ called us to live? Are we really arming ourselves the way that God wanted to arm us? Or are we believing into a lie? And it's comfortable because it feels right. I mean, none of y'all are like sleeping around as we speak. You're in church. Hopefully there's no like, you know, marital issues and affairs and all that stuff right here. Like definitely not that. You're here. So there's a blanket and there's a deception that I feel like the devil could lure us into easy and just saying, oh, you're not that bad. You're not that bad at all. You go to church. You read your Bible sometimes. So surely a merciful God, he would understand. And I'm just saying that I feel like that is a lie that we've bought into. Not that God doesn't understand, but what I'm saying is we've bought into a lie of thinking that we can't pursue holiness because we don't have wholeness. So this is what it looks like. There are some people that's in this room. There's people that have been coming to this church for a long time. You have been pursuing a state of wholeness in your being. And so you say, oh, we love it here at Eastside. We're just coming. We're hanging out. It's all that stuff. And, uh, you know, it's just really good. We're, able, we're in a season of healing. And... You know, like, so we just, in his healing, you know, we're just going to just sit it out. We're buying into a lie there. Because Jesus, when he calls us, he calls us out of darkness. And he calls us into new light. Now, look, there's a difference. There's, I want you, if some of you are taking notes, you can, you, can, you can jot this down. There's a difference between the idea of being saved and the idea of being born again. Very different. But sometimes we marry the two for the convenience of the message. Because, see, that doesn't package well. You know what I'm saying? Like, it's easier to say, oh, you're saved. You don't raise your hand. You want to be saved. It's harder to say, hey, I'm calling you because the call of Jesus is that would any man be born again? Would you, would you, would you be willing to take off the old nature, lay down your old self and say, I want to be born again? It's easier the first one. The first one's easier. Raise your hand if you want to be saved. Do you know hell's gates are lined with people that just wanted to be saved? And if you're a mature Christian, you know, like some of y'all are like, oh, you know, I don't want that little stuff. I want the meat stuff. But you lack love. If you come into this house, and you've been coming to this house for over six months, this is a challenge, it's straight up. Yeah, I know it's just about to do this, but that's it. You've been coming here for more than six months, and you say, oh, I'm just healing and all that stuff. And you use that as, you use that as a cover to not be obedient to the Lord because the Lord calls us to serve his family, period. Like that's, that's, not, that's not a debate. Don't talk to me theologically and be like, oh, well, let's argue those things. No, 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 no. We mask our insecurity and call it God. Oh, God, oh God, God hasn't showed me where to serve, but you walk past boo-boo every single day. If I walk past a pile of mess on the floor every single day, 
and said that God wasn't calling me past. Like, it's just disgusting, right? I mean, it, it just seems kind of like, duh, bro, like, you love the place, right? You walk past it every single day. Nah, man, but you know, like, God's not calling me there. And he's, he's not calling me to do that. I'm waiting for him to, you know, part the, <laughs> part the clouds. That's what I'm waiting for. It says, put on the full armor of God. The full armor of God. I wonder how many of you, whenever you, whenever you accepted Christ, whenever you accepted the way of Jesus, you know, sometimes we fall into things and we, we, we're blindly following. We're blindly walking into some stuff. We call ourselves Christians and we don't know the origin of where some stuff comes from. You know why it was so beautiful of a thing for them to... to to like how this even came about as far as they named Christians um, was because there was Jews there, there was Gentiles there. You couldn't just call them Jews because it wasn't just Jew there. You couldn't call them Gentiles because it wasn't just Gentiles there. But they became this whole new thing of people called Christians. And it was less about the religion. It was more about they were incredibly relationship with God. And listen to me, you can be in an incredible relationship with sermons and miss God because you love the way it feels to hear some intellectually and say, wow, that was good. But God has called us to put on his robe, to put on his armor. Whenever we say, when we see in Ephesians, here in a second, as I open that up and it says, put on the whole armor of God. Don't stop there. Don't don't just read over that as if you've heard it a thousand times. What would you do if you knew that it was saying, put on, put on God? And when he manifests himself, in armor. That's what that's that's what we're putting here. It is not just this analogy that we've always learned in church. You know, it, it packages a little better this way. They go to Sunday school and they show you the little Roman soldier and he's got the little helmet and the shield and the you know, right? But this was an analogy, people. Okay, Paul is saying, what is something that you can point to in culture and liken this unto? And he says a Roman soldier. But how about you how about you know this? That when God, when we're talking about God, I, I just want I just want to just drop this on you. Just this is three, okay? Who is God's adversary? Who who is God's adversary? No, it's not. I'm sorry, you walked right into it. You know, it's okay. <laughs> but listen. He has no rival. He has no equal. The closest thing that you can get to the, to the opposite of the devil is the chief angel, Michael. But religion has told us that there's two sides always fighting. There's good in this corner, and it's God himself. And then there's the devil in the other corner, and it's that is... It's fallacy. And some of us have built our whole Christian life around the fact of the fall of man and that God is versus the devil in everything. And that's not the case. Because if you understand, if you have that understanding and that's your only revelation of everything, you will never have faith to believe that you could actually be impenetrable with an armor of God. Wow. Wow. And I'm kicking up some dust with religious spirits, but it's okay. Some of y'all can like study it later. It's okay, you know, like exegetical, all that stuff. You know, it's great. God has no rival, has no equal. The opposite of Jesus is not the devil. Wow. 
I'm just gonna like go like sit down. You know what I'm saying? But somebody's like, wow, there's a lot going on. I see it on some of y'all's eyes, like, whoa. <laughs> Because I've been acting like every single time I'm being pulled because it's been marketed on Hollywood that there's God pulling me and there's devil pulling me. No, not the case. This is the case that he is the tempter. He is the accuser of the brethren. He causes the separation and he tries to single you out so that it's easier for him to lure you to him. And he'll use even religion to do it. So Baptists that can't get along with charismatic people. Charismatics that can't get along with Presbyterians or, or you don't see value in Catholicism and all these blah, 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 all this stuff. Guess what? The devil will use that because he doesn't care what method he uses. He cares that you don't ever get to God's pre-designed intention for you. You want to know how I know? Because we can get a, a room full of people like this and the faith level sometimes might move a chair. Like real faith. I'm not talking about the participant faith. You know, like you know, a lot of times, this is what happens in church. We can sometimes mistake or, or, or get to these points where we're like, oh, the faith in the room must have been so high because the participation was great. No, you can get that same type of faith at the football game. Go watch the Panthers. Critical mass. But faith to move the mountain just takes a couple people really actually believing that God actually changed their life, that God actually replaced their old life for his new world and his new one. And if your old life hasn't been replaced with his new one, I ask you today, beckon the thought of this because you are not saved, honey. If we, Look, listen, what we are are born again. We're being saved every day. He's calling us into his light every day. And when we make decisions consciously, to go against him, to cut away from him, to, to choose to do life on our own, to arm ourselves instead of his own armor. We willingly walk to the devil. We're either aligning with heaven or we're aligning with hell. There is no gray area. You can't just align with Middle Earth. You know, some of y'all Lord of the Rings people. You just can't you just can't align here and be like, oh well, I'm just aligning in earth. I'm not heaven or hell. No, no, no. It's just two. It's just it's it. Either I'm lining with heaven or I'm lining with earth. And this is what I found, y'all, is when you really get an understanding of the revelation that God is who he said he is, that that God, that I have more faith in the Genesis 1 version of God where in the beginning God created than I have faith in the fact that I'm a fallen man, just messed up, kind of patched together, and that somehow God doesn't know about the attacks coming on me. He doesn't know that he doesn't know that I'm out here warring. He doesn't know any of these things. See, that's a flippant version of religion that doesn't say anybody it doesn't empower you you can't you can't barely tie your shoe just believe in that but what happens when you actually believe that hey there is an there is an old nature that I've got to give up because God's nature for me is way better so when he says put on the armor of God I read it differently I don't read it through religion's eyes where it said, put on the armor of your Baptist local church. <laughs> put on the armor of cultural Christian norms. Put on the, it doesn't say that. It says, put on the armor of God. If we were Jewish in that culture in that time, we would say, put on the armor of Yahweh. We wouldn't even be able to say God's name. 
My question is, is are we operating in rebellion? Or are we actually going to submit to the power and presence of God and say, God, I recognize that there are some parts of me that I've agreed with hell. I've rolled myself with the wrong thing. I haven't rolled myself with you in this area. And because of that, I'm seeing fruit in my life that doesn't line up with your word. In the South, this is a hard message to preach because we're so churchy, y'all. Like everyone's just so falsely secure. Oh, you know, JP, I'm, I'm good, man. I'm, I'm a Christian, bro. I'm a Christian. I know you'll see me at Christmas, bro, but I'm a, <laughs> I'm a Christian, bro. I just cussed out my coworker, but I'm a Christian. I know Jesus. Newsflash. Demons know Jesus, bro. They know him. Know his name. Scared at him. But has there been a transformation experience in your life where you said, look, the old has passed away. And behold, the new has come. The old has passed away. That means the way I thought about you that was stale and crusty, I, I let that go. And now I receive a new, fresh revelation of today, right here today. Ephesians 6, let's go there. Verse 10. Finally, my brethren, be what? Strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. I want you to know, this is why I took time to set this up, because I don't have time to sit here and read the people who are biblically proud and poor at the same time. Biblically proud. Oh, I've read that before. I've heard thousands of sermons on this. But biblically poor because you ain't doing nothing with it. And it makes, like, isn't that crazy? We live in the greatest information age of all times. All times. Y'all listen to more sermons. You know, we get thousands, like thousands upon thousands of hours listens to of our podcasts and sermons every single month. And that is great glory to God that it's going out, the word is going forth. But if I'm honest with you, when I come here and I care about the people that are here, and I start asking real questions. God, are we making a difference in this person's life? Are we making a difference in this family? Because God, this family, sometimes feel like they, they tell me the right thing because they know I'm a pastor. And so they just want to fit me off a little bit. So they tell me, oh, you know, we blessed. <laughs> How y'all doing? Blessed. <laughs> Highly favored. <laughs> yeah. But if I'm honest, they don't have a prayer life. So God, are we doing our job? Are we equipping people? Are we releasing people into their networks, homework, their um, neighborhoods and, and, and workplaces and all these places to actually be effective for ministry? Or are we just entertaining them on Sunday? At some point, y'all, we've got to assess the work that we do to actually call it work. You can't say you laboring for the kingdom whenever it's really just you laboring for your own dream. My heart rate just went up a little bit on that. <laughs> listen, 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 Linda. Some of you, listen. Some of you are here, and some of you are waiting for an opportunity to serve, and I'm just going to go here. Some of you are waiting for an opportunity to serve when you can be on a platform. Some of you are waiting for an opportunity to serve when the spotlight will be on you. But how about you know this? God perfects things in private. <laughs> 
So the place of ministry for you might not be super glamorous at first. Heck, this ain't glamorous. You know what is you know what is crazy about this? The mental and crazy warfare of standing before you right now, questioning what you're thinking of what I'm saying, and being obedient to God to bring it forth, that ain't glamorous. But for some reason, everybody just says, see, success in ministry as full-time and speaking in front of people. I've got news for you. I want to be successful in my house. I want to be successful at work. I want to be successful outside the doors of church so that when I get to heaven. When, I, when, I, it, when this life transitions into the next part, I want to be able to hear, well done, because I was clothed in righteousness, not clothed in self-righteousness. Religion teaches this principle. Be so full of yourself. Just get enough information. Clothe yourself with information over and over and over and over. Become so self-righteous that can't hardly anybody talk to you except somebody with a Ph.D. degree and then call yourself wanting to look for a church. Because ain't nobody teaching right. What? Deception. It's the enemy's play. And anytime you feel yourself getting so huffed up that you are the only absolute authority, you've got to check yourself and be able to say, what armor am I putting on Saul's armor? Could I do this without God? If I could creatively think about whatever I'm looking at and do it without God, it might not be God. Or is it a slingshot situation? And whatever you're looking at, God's got to come through. That looks like God. That's the opportunity. That's the point. That's the place. We've got to stop teaching people or preaching to people what they just want to hear. Y'all got thousands of, of podcasts. You can go and get some smoothing, like, like soothing, smoothing type of message. I meant soothing. I'm sorry, bro. Some type of soothing message anywhere. But y'all, what is that doing to us? Like we've, we've made Christianity so consumer driven that we forgot being to be consumed by the Holy Spirit. So, so, so we're like, oh, I'm going to go try this church out today. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Like, no, honey, let's leave because no one talked to us within like, you know, three minutes of being here. <laughs> Yeah, they do this greeting thing, but like, I mean, like everyone does that. Like, I mean, what else are they going to offer us? It ain't about you. What is it about? What is it good? So we can, so what? We can fill up an arena where everybody who feels good about all this crap that we did for them, but no one's filled with the Holy Spirit. The city is the exact same and your house is going to hell. What is good about that? And you put on Saul's armor and called it the saviors and it is not mutually exclusive. Being a Republican or being a Christian in the South does not make me better with God. Because I come to church and don't have tattoos on and all this stuff does not make God love me anymore or any less. I want you to understand this. God used Rahab the prostitute while she was a prostitute. She could have had a client before that moment. She might have had a client maybe after. I don't know, but I know the Bible says that she was a prostitute used by God. So some of you look to your neighbor and say, stop playing. We play. We play around with this church version of ourselves. And you walk out of there and you act, you deal with real problems. And you're only armed with the, with the lipstick version on a pig version of you. You haven't surrendered to a, a more superior version that God says, hey, put my armor on. 
the breastplate of righteousness, the helmet of salvation. A king, I want you to understand this. The religious spirit has always taught that a, that a the helmet was an actual Roman soldier, you know, like a Spartan. This is Sparta type stuff. No, listen, if God is saying put on the helmet of salvation, what does a king wear even in battle? He wears a crown. Pause. Let me just rewind. Some of you need to get that. God's not asking for a more war version of yourself. He's saying, take him, put him on. The battle of your mind is not fit for the, the, the Panthers or NFL in a helmet. It's fit for a crown. It's his crown that he's going to renew your mind. But you have to be born again. It doesn't matter how many times you've heard the message. Not how many times you've heard about Jesus. What matters is you actually make a decision. I want to be born again. Born again. I want to think new. Let me tell you what it does when you really get this revelation down on the deep in, on the inside of you and you understand that God won't send you somewhere where he won't keep you. Some of us, we look. And we say this, we, we say, um, I want to read verse 11. Thank you, Kim. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wilds of the devil. Verse 12. For we do not wrestle against what? Flesh, Flesh and blood. But against principalities and powers and rulers of the darkness in this age and, the, and against the spiritual hosts and wickedness in heavenly places. All of us have heard that. We've read that a thousand times over, but sometimes we just, we just kind of like, oh, I've heard it. So nah, I want some new stuff. I want to, I want like the newest YouTube pastor. Like I want whatever it's hitting. There's nothing wrong to supplement, okay? But listen to what I'm saying here. Some of us, we need to let this stuff get down on the inside of us. Can you keep it there just, just so I can see that? Because this is the thing. The warfare, that, that's going to that's gonna come. That's going to be pretty, pretty steady. But how you're armored in war is literally life or death. I could tell y'all all day long, God's got me, y'all. And if there are archers in that lobby all about to shoot as soon as I hit that door and I'm just clothed in me just me not God not nothing else like just well you know I, I have great thinking you know I have I have the tactical ability to get out of or maneuver situations what's gonna happen when I get into fiery darts I'm gonna die yes it's pretty simple like <laughs> I'm gonna die pretty fast okay <laughs> But what happens when we take on the armor, the impenetrable armor? Think about this. We know and we know, we know we're so churchy. We get some of these things. I can say this. No weapon formed against you shall. Wow. OK, so you believe it. Let me expand a little bit. If you actually believe that, then now you can actually believe that you could also be in God and with the armor of God safe in your heart to trust people. I, above anybody else, have had some crazy experiences with people where I have had to literally come into a revelation that, God, my heart is safe with you, even to people. And no hurt hurts like people who you love, trust, actually shooting you at close range. But when God calls you to something, he will always keep you. If you're just following your own dream, you don't need to expect to be kept. 
And this is what happens. God calls you to ministry and he calls you to minister to hard people, to people. And y'all, anytime you deal with people, you're going to deal with poop. Don't believe me? Take care of a little baby. Take care of a senior citizen, a super senior citizen (laughs) that has lost control. But anyways, listen to what I'm saying. We can't war by ourselves. We can't because where God sends you, he, he will protect. He will provide. He will do that. And what I've found is this, is that God has been able to shield my heart and he defends me. I want you to understand this. Some of you are trying to defend yourself. You're trying to defend your reputation. You're trying to defend what you did, what you did not say, what you, where you went, where you did not go. Because listen, a, a spirit doesn't care about the interaction. It just wants interaction. I'll say that one more time. A spirit wants just interaction. So you ever just, Brock probably doesn't because he's not really confrontational. But if me and Brock was arguing for whatever reason, you got some people that just want to keep nagging. They just want to get, get the, the last word. Get it. Get it. Oh, well, I just want to. Oh. And then they'll get, you, you notice, if you really just be quiet and let that person just talk a little bit, they'll get mad that you're not talking. Well, why aren't you talking? Why don't you smile? Why you smile? Are you smirking at me? That's how you know. That's how you know. Some of y'all, you have been in that. Some of you, you've had that spirit operating in you. Hell's been operating in you, and that's okay. The only thing I'm telling you is you have the opportunity to repent and to be able to agree with, the, agree with heaven instead of agreeing with the lie of hell. Jesus died for you to be able to now take on all the attributes of God. And what happens is, in biblical settings like this, we say, oh, well, that was kind of one of those radical messages. It doesn't help me. Whatever. Good job, JP. Honey, I don't need your applause. I don't need no fans. The only fan I need is one. He's God. You know what I'm saying? That's it. I just need him. And so why I'm here is obedience. And if the religious spirit has taken your family, taken your joy and all this stuff, and you just want to keep complaining about your brokenness, but you don't want to actually renew your mind and actually do that, then I'm sorry. There's nothing else you could hear. You could hear Billy Graham preach to yourself and you wouldn't get it because why? Because you don't want to change. Y'all, I know we got to wrap up. You know, it's time and stuff. I really hope you get I, I really hope you're getting something because like this is for real. Y'all, we believe the lies so much in the American church and just the church in general right now, where we believe lies. And we think that is convenient. We think that church should be about convenience. Oh heck, we think that everything in life should be about convenience. My two-year-old saying, okay, Google, do this. What? Because she sees me do it. You know what I'm saying? I'm like, okay, Google, turn on the TV. She's like, okay, cool, cool. (laughs) (laughs) There's a message in that if you was hearing. But anyways, (laughs) I want to go down just for the sake of time. And I I just want to start at verse 17. And I'll read to the end. And take the helmet of salvation. Remember I told you, this is not a football helmet. This is not about the NFL. This is not about two Rams just doing this. The helmet, as we're talking here, uh, is God. And if we really portray this accurately, it would be as God saying, hey, let me put on this helmet of salvation for you. That means that when you came to Christ, you should have renewed your mind. Amen. Or you just surrendered to an inferior version. You hear me? 
because this was all some of us did. We just raised our hand and somebody told us we were good. Next part. Praying always. Um, yeah. <laughs> so the, the sword, that's the word. Now, look, most Christians, you won't find a Christian that has a hard time believing that the sword of God, the sword of God is the word. But you have a hard time convincing them that that helmet ain't actually a helmet. They're like, well, you know, it was Roman soldiers. This is what I like. I love and hate about some, you know, uh, theology people that are like super dope. But I'm like, bro, come on. Paul's clearly writing an analogy here. That you will agree with me that the word of God, the sword of God is the, is the word of God. But whenever I say the shield of faith, you're like, nah, man, but you know, I'm human, man. Like I got, no, 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 shield of faith. It's God faith. Amen. It's God stepping into your situation to give you faith that you don't have the ability to conjure up. Amen. That's the shield of faith. The preparation of peace. It's a peace of God that you can't conjure up on your own. Somebody please, like, I mean, I hope, I hope. Yes. Number 19. Let's look at that. Verse 19. And for me, the utterance may be given to me that I may open my mouth boldly to make known the mystery of the gospel for which I am an ambassador in chains. Say in chains. In chains. That in it I may speak boldly as I ought. I want you to understand this as we wrap up and we leave. We need your prayers as ministers of the gospel. Listen when I said, we, we need your prayers as all ministers of the gospel. Ministers of the gospel are not just pastors or people that are on platforms. Ministers of the gospel look like tellers, look like teachers, look like bankers, look like all other types of professions because they're ministers of the gospels. They're messengers of this word. I'm sorry if you might've came today just looking for a packaged word, something that was a little quick, tweetable, three things, but that's not me. That's not where my heart is. That's not where God's heart is for you. If you'll actually listen to what God is saying to the church at large right now, he's saying, wake up, there's work to do. And if you get lulled into just doing religion, you won't be ready. You just won't be ready to even fight. You'll be agreeing with lies and all kinds of stuff. Well, you know, I'm just a... Christian alcoholic. You know what I'm saying? Like, it just sounds ridiculous, right? But we make excuses for sin and we, we tag Christian on it and we say, oh, well, Jesus accepts me as that. Okay. But he also changes us where we are. Rahab might have been a prostitute, but she was a messenger of the gospel when God touched her and used her right there. Let's stand to our feet. I know we said a lot of things. The mic, be jogging around. Be sure to get the message online. Go back, listen. But this revelation is really changing my heart, and this is what I mean by it. Revelation that God, in his goodness, can actually protect me when I actually believe it. Some of us think that we're wrestling against flesh and blood, so you can't forgive people because they've hurt you. But God says when we take on his armor, our heart is impenetrable because he's holding us. I speak to the wife who won't forgive her husband. I speak to the cousin or the brother or the coworker who you just won't let off the hook because they did you wrong. Not only does God say forgive, but we got to understand that he is forgiveness. So when we put on God, 
he forgives. He gives us the ability. He gives us the faith to forgive. That will set someone free if you really believe that about the armor of God. The armor of God is not about you being a Spartan, but it is about you being a laid down lover of Jesus, that you have laid everything down so that he can fight for you, that he can speak through you, and that's it. Amen? Father, we just thank you, God, for today. I thank you for this service. I thank you for everyone that's represented. I thank you for your words today, God, that you don't always speak in warm and fuzzies, but you challenge us, God. You call things out of us, God. And so we just thank you for that, God. God, that you care about us enough to not send us, to not see us just run into hell's arms, into hell's flame, God. We pray right now, God, an anointing upon these words that they would not depart from us, God. God, but we would be empowered, Lord God, to do the work of your ministry wherever you send us, whatever job that is, whatever place Place, whatever neighborhood that is, we pray, God, an anointing on those words this morning. And God, that we would be open to do as you say Amen. and not try to add you to our plan, but it would be all about you. God, we pray this. In your son Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. There'll be some people up here to pray if you